Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to church. For those of you who are in the room, maybe visiting us online, we are super glad that you're here. You're here on a very special weekend. We only have so many of these every single year, and it's the week that we start a brand new teaching series. This series we're starting today is all about money. We're talking uh, about the launch of this new series called Robbing Peter, maybe you could finish that sentence. I know growing up, uh, sometimes my mom, when things got tight, she would say, I feel like I have to rob Peter to pay Paul. This whole, uh, this whole series is really a candid conversation, uh, yes, in church, about Money. I want to encourage you at the beginning of a new series this is a great time to hop into a small group. This is a great time to continue the conversation that we start here today on this very important topic uh, in the context of relationships. We have all kinds of small groups launching. You can download the Vintage Church app. You can hop on our website at vintage.church. You can also uh, click and join a small group, reach out to a leader and jump into a group this Week. So we're going to jump right in. First of all, I want to welcome you. This is a new series. We're really laying the foundation for where we're going to go. And here's kind of something I was taught growing up that maybe you can relate to. Uh, I was always told that there are certain things that you never talk about with others. You certainly don't talk about them around the dinner table. Uh, my family taught me that you never talk about politics, you never talk about religion, and you never talk about Money. You never talk about money. And so we're going to actually not listen to that advice. And in this series, we're going to talk about money. You know, speaking about money, I heard something really funny uh, this week. Dan was a single guy living at home with his ailing father. He was very sick and he was working in the family business. And one day he found out that he was going to be the sole heir of his father's entire fortune. Finally, he was going to get to be the boss after his father passed. Dan decided that he needed a wife to share this fortune with him. And so one evening at an investment meeting, he spotted the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Now, I don't just mean like, like girl, she was drop dead gorgeous. And he walks up to her nonchalantly and says to her, I may look ordinary, but in just a few months when my father dies, I'm going to inherit $65 million. Well, you can imagine this beautiful woman was very, very impressed with, 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 this, with, with Dan. He was, she was, gave, gave Dan her full attention for the rest of the meeting. The woman actually got Dan's business card, and Dan was super excited for the day that she would call. Well, days and days went by. Then three days later, she became his stepmother. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that's funny. This woman married his father. You know, that's funny. But the truth is, you and I, we need to have candid conversations about money. You know, we have lots of conversations about different topics in the Bible, different uh, topics in our world, relationships. Uh, we talk a lot about faith, hope, and love. Did you know that the Bible has more to say? Jesus himself talked more about possessions and resources, money, than he did about faith, hope, and love 
combined. Why? Because he knew we needed to know God's mind on the subject. You know, in church, we should be a safe place where you can learn what God's word says about resources. You know, the Bible teaches us that God wants you to be financially independent. He wants you to be free from the shackles of debt and fear, and he shows you how to be in his word. That's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. We're going to lay out some biblical principles that will help you win and succeed in your financial life. Here's a question I want to ask you as we get started in today's topic. How many of you as a kid, you hoped one day you would be rich. Be honest. I mean, one day as a kid, you maybe looked around and you observed what somebody else had, or maybe a friend or a coach or something around you. And you, 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 you stopped thought in your mind, man, one day I'm going to be rich and I'm going to be able to get what I want. How many can say, why did you want to be rich? If I'm rich, money will solve all my problems, right? The reality is if money solved problems, Hollywood should be the happiest place on earth, right? It should be. Look what the Apostle Paul writes to uh, the pastor here, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. This is interesting. The Apostle Paul is talking to a leader in the church, the pastor, right? The pastor who's going to teach and, and, and lead and shepherd the church, he tells this leader, hey, you know what? You need to command the people in your church that are rich, all right? They're rich by worldly standards. You need to command them not to be arrogant, but to put their hope in God, not wealth. So you may be thinking, like, this command, you might, the next question might be, well, who did he mean when he said the rich? You know, I, I think sometimes we, we look around and we compare ourselves and we see somebody that has more and we automatically just say, well, you know, they're rich because they have more and I'm not because I don't have what they have. So this begs the question, let's talk about rich people for a moment. Who's rich? How do we answer that question? There's several ways. A recent Gallup poll survey asked people making $30,000 a year what they needed to consider themselves rich. And they, they answered around $74,000 a year. Then they asked people making $50,000 a year how much they needed to be rich. They answered about $100,000. If I could get into six figures, I would, I, would be, I, would be, I would consider myself rich. Okay, and then they asked really high income earners, like, like really, really high, what they needed. And they said right around $5 million. You know, there's a famous quote from the first billionaire who ever lived, John D. Rockefeller. When he was asked how much money would be enough, he answered, like we do, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Here's my big idea, and I want you to think about this for a moment because it's going to lay the foundation for our time together. Rich is a moving target. In our world, rich is a moving target. For example, if I had two $1 bills and I threw them down on the floor, nobody in here is gonna jump out of their seat or nobody watching online is gonna get out of their bed and come to church, right? Nobody's gonna rush the stage for those two $1 bills. And yet, did you know that more than half of the world today lives on less than $2 a day? That in, in more than half of the world, those $2 would represent an entire day of their labor, 
You know, many of us are in this rat rat wheel of having enough. We just need a little bit more. And so to kick off our time together, I want us to not compare ourselves to the person next to us that might have more, might drive a nicer car, might live in a bigger house. But I want us to just accept the fact that if you're in here and you know that there's gonna be food on the table, you have shelter when you go home tonight and you have clothes on your back, food in your stomach, you are literally in the top 10% of all people on planet Earth right now. So by definition, by that definition, we are all rich. Everyone say, I am rich. Every single one of us are rich, certainly by the Apostle Paul's standards. Many of us, we don't feel rich and we don't think we are. We struggle in this area and that's why God says so much in his word about how you and I are to relate to possessions, to riches, to stuff. Why does God care so much about how you and I relate to money and possessions? Here's why. Matthew 6, 21, the Bible says, Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, that's your stuff, your money, your investment, there your heart will be also. There is a string attached to your resources and your hearts. I'm gonna make that case today and for the rest of the series, and we're gonna attempt to cut those strings so that we can learn to honor God while having things. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, before you do anything, guard your heart. Why is the heart so important? Because everything from your life flows from your heart. And so with this idea of why it's important we talk about this, even though our families growing up told us, you know what, you just don't talk about these kind of things, Why is it important that as believers in church, we talk about resources? Because it's a matter of our heart. God wants our heart because everything in our life comes from the posture, the condition of our heart. So today I want to transition. I'm going to lay a foundation for the next several weeks. We're going to be building on this foundation. Here's what this foundation is stewardship. It's this biblical idea right? That, that we are not owners, we are stewards. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all kinds of other things in this series. Continue to tune in. We're talk about debt. We're going to talk about all kinds of honoring God. We're going to talk all kinds of building the kingdom. We're going to talk about all of these different things, okay? But it all is on the foundation of understanding this big idea of stewardship. So God is the owner, the Bible teaches us. We are the stewards. Now, what's a steward? Okay, it's not a male stewardess. Okay, that's not what it is, like on an airplane. This is what a steward is. A steward is not an owner, but a manager over something owned by another. It is, you could say, it's a caretaker of someone else's stuff. Now, this is a major change in our perspective. We tend to see everything in our lives as it either belongs to us or it doesn't. But look what Psalm writes, the psalmist writes in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell within it. God is the owner. We are the stewards. Okay. Our perspective governs how we live in huge ways. And so before we get started, we start building, we got to make sure that we're building on the right perspective. And the perspective is you and I aren't owners. We are caretakers of everything God puts into our hands. Right, my mom used to say this growing up, we came into this world with nothing, one day we will leave it physically with nothing as well. Meaning that while we're here, we're really just caretakers of what's been entrusted to us by 
God. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to get into today's main passage. It's actually a parable. It's a parable. Uh, it's called the parable of the talents, and Jesus tells this parable. It's a story about how we can correct our thinking financially, right? It will help us win in our resources. It's incredibly important to life. By the way, this parable of the talents can be applied to a lot of things, okay? But especially to this idea of stewardship. In it, we see three principles of stewardship. There are three guiding principles that will help us grow and honor God uh, as we succeed in our life financially. Let's read in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it, he's speaking of the kingdom of heaven, it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Again, this is called the parable of the talents. A talent is not what we think of today related to our gifts or abilities, but a talent in this culture is actually a coin that was worth about $1,000. So from the very first verse, we see the very first principle of stewardship. Don't miss this. God owns everything. God owns everything. It's his possessions. He entrusted it to the stewards. The kingdom of heaven is, all, is like God giving us stuff, right, to steward, right, to be trusted with. God owns everyone, every, everything and everyone, the word says. If God really does own everything, then it stands to reason, okay, that, that we've got to make sure that we want what he wants in the area of our resources. Many of us, however, make financial decisions as if we're the owners and not the stewards. When that's our perspective, we ask questions like, well, what do I Want, but if we see God as the owner, we ask God, what would you have me do? There is a huge difference in perspective here. All right, remember, don't miss this. Here's what it teaches every spending decision is a spiritual decision. When you have the posture of a steward and God is the owner, right, we connect with God in spirit because God is spirit, the word says that, then that means that every spending decision with something God's given you, which is everything, is actually a spiritual decision decision. If God owns it all, then we are just managers of what he gives. So every time we make a purchase, right, it would stand to reason that it's a spiritual decision. You know, the truth is, as a pastor, I've noticed this at times in my own life, but certainly in the lives of the people that we've counseled over the years and I've walked with, that many of us aren't aren't experiencing God's blessing in our lives because we aren't completely surrendering in the area of our money and our resources. We just don't. There's, there's some things we're going to give God. There's some things we're going to surrender to him. But when it comes to our stuff, because it's so attached to our heart, we cling to it. And if the Bible teaches us that, that when we hold on and cling, we end up losing the very thing that we're gripping. But if we would just open our hand and surrender it to God, he would actually bless it, multiply it, and hand it back to us better than it was before. Why? Because he can be trusted. He doesn't need your stuff. He wants your heart. Remember, this is all about heart. Let's continue reading this story, Matthew 25, 15, and 16. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each each according to his own ability. So he gives three guys, five, five, two, and one talents, so 5,000, 2,000, and 1,000, and he he goes on a journey. And immediately, this is important because there was this, you could tell the person who understands stewardship immediately the one who had received the 5,000 or the five talents went and traded with them and he gained five more talents. What does that teach us there in Matthew? That God expects you and I to invest our talents, our money, wisely and to live generously. 
God allows us to steward his resources for a purpose so that we can invest them wisely and we can live generously. This is what the owner in the parable did, by the way. He was generous. He allowed them to steward. He went on a journey, right? The steward immediately goes to work. And he wasn't timid. He knew exactly what the master wanted. He saw himself as a steward and he invested wisely and gained five more talents. We need to learn that a steward is supposed to handle or manage someone else's stuff with the goals of that person, the owner, in mind. I'm going to give you a quote because this will help you. A steward protects and grows the owner's assets with fierce intensity. So a steward, you see this in the first man with the talents, a steward protects and grows the owner's assets with fierce intensity. It's, 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 it's important that it's both. Sometimes we can think it's our job to protect everything, but not listen to God. And so we don't honor the one who gave us the stewardship to begin with. He wants us to protect and to grow. This is much like a financial planner. Maybe you have a financial planner, maybe a real estate agent, somebody that helps you with investments or properties. Their financial future, right, is tied to how well they manage your stuff, your assets, your money, your portfolio. The same thing needs to happen for you and I in how we relate to God giving us influence, giving us resources and possessions. By the way, we help you with that in this church. We help you become great money managers. As a matter of fact, next week we're launching, we actually, we, we developed a curriculum that helps you learn how to build and steward wealth God's way. It's called Wiser. I wanna encourage you, all right, that's open. Get into that, uh, th- that discipleship course, okay? It's gonna happen uh, uh, right here on Sunday morning, so you don't even have to add another day, but you can learn over an eight-week period, a discipleship course, how you can learn to build wealth and honor God with your finances. Why do we do that? Because we need to grow into better money managers for the Lord. God also wants us to invest in the spiritual. God wants us to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus. Being a giver isn't as much as something you do as it is who you are. It's a perspective that you have on your life. Don't miss this, but the story of our checkbook is the story of our lives. Remember, Jesus said, wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. I could take a look, and don't worry, I'm not going to, but when I flip over my checkbook, for those of you who are older, when I open up my online banking, and I open up my ledger on my account, and I scroll through all of the purchases that come through, I can actually see what you love the most. For example, some of you have kids that are in sports. I can open that up, and I can see all of the money you've spent on putting your kids in sports. I can see the Christmas stuff. I can see what you value in your home or what you value in travel, what you like to do, who you like to spend time with. I can see all that. Here's the big question I want to challenge you with in this series. Does God, can you see God? Can you see any of God's priorities in your checkbook? In your checkbook. Look what Ecclesiastes says, wisest and the richest man, Solomon, who's ever lived. He says this in Ecclesiastes 7, 12. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge or wisdom is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its predecessor. Don't miss this. We don't need more. We need to be better stewards of what we have. A lot of us, we have this idea that if God gave us more, we would be able to be better stewards, but it doesn't start there. Okay, it starts with what he's put into our hand. He gave each one of these people different amounts. It's not about the amount. It's about your perspective and how you see it. Let's move on to the third principle as we close out our message uh, this week. Let's look at the third principle. Matthew 25, 20 through 23 tells the outcome of what happened. 
The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things, okay? I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And to the one who received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Here we see this principle. This is very important. God holds us accountable. Every steward knows that the owner is going to return and hold them accountable. Three principles. Very important. God owns everything. Everything you had, God gave you. God has given you. God expects you and I to invest wisely and to live generously with what we have. We don't need more. We just need to be faithful with what he's put in our hands. And finally, he's going to return and he will hold you and I accountable. This is so important because as you read this story on your own, what happened to the guy with one talent? Well, I'll paraphrase and you can read the story on your own. He, instead of investing, instead of leveraging it towards the master's goals and what he wanted him to do, he buries it in the ground. He protects it, but he doesn't grow it. He protects it, but he doesn't grow it. And what happens is he brings back that one talent and the master is very angry with him because if he, he could have at least put it in the bank and gotten interest, but he did not care about the master's priorities. He didn't invest wisely and he actually got rebuked. As a matter of fact, the master took away his talent, gave it to the one who made five on five. And by the way, that's what happens in our life. You see, if God can't, can't trust you with what he's put in your hand, he's going to take what he's put in your hand and he's going to give it to someone else who will use it. That's just how this thing works. I've seen it. Don't miss this. You must understand how God rewards us. He doesn't reward our faithfulness, but our fruitfulness. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. Faithfulness is so important, but you can be faithful doing the wrong things with the wrong mindset. If you have an I'm an owner mindset and you're not thinking like a steward, you can be faithful doing all the wrong things, show up to the master when he returns and suffer great loss. Okay, we've got to match our faithfulness with our fruitfulness, meaning that we have to invest our resources. We have to think about our financial life through the lens of what God cares the most about. That's the church that's building the kingdom, reaching people far from God. The servant with one talent was faithful but not fruitful, and it was a bad deal for him. You know, I feel the same way when you take a look at what God has maybe entrusted to churches. We've seen our church grow rapidly over these last many years, and I'm going to tell you, it comes down to one simple thing. We have been faithful and fruitful with what God's put into our hand. We have leveraged it. We have stepped out in faith to grow his kingdom. What you give here, right, it is used to reach people far from God, to serve our community, to expand our locations, right? And as a result, God's growing this church. You know, there's a lot of churches in America that are not growing. Matter of fact, uh, church as a whole is on the decline, not because God doesn't work, but because people in those churches have stopped seeing themselves as stewards that are meant to grow God's kingdom and they start seeing themselves as owners meant to protect what they have. In other words, they took their hand and they did this. And this is so tempting, church. This is so tempting. Do you know why? Because this feels safe, but in the end, ends up causing us and those around us harm. 
And did you know that as a church, we can stop, as an individual, we can stop living open-handedly, we can stop acknowledging God with our resources, and as a result, we start looking around at the world, looking around at the stock market, looking around at COVID, looking around all this stuff, and we start just tightening our grip. I gotta look out for me and mine, and as a result, we end up suffering harm. But if we'll just trust God as stewards, the result, the outcome is in his hands. We just have to do what he says. Under the weight of life's uncertainties, it's easy to slowly become irrational about our possessions and have a protectionist mindset instead of living open-handed. You and I must never allow ourselves to be paralyzed by fear or we will not properly steward the resources that God has given us. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our spiritual family, what you're gonna continue to do as we open up more places and spaces in our region for people to experience you, to take steps closer to Jesus. Fathers, we continue to reach people and build family. I pray, God, you would go ahead of us. I pray, God, we would always live open-handed, not just as a church, but as individuals in the family of God, that we would put your kingdom above everything else. And as a result, we too would be blessed because we're connected as a channel to you. God, may everything we do this week bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.